Hey, this is Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder. Welcome to the Sensual Sessions, the place to explore sensing pleasure through your senses. And today we have a very special guest. This is Bruce Fertman. He is a founding member of the Alexander Alliance and he's also a dancer and author of Grace of Sense. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you. I'm very happy to have you here. So tell us how, how come you became so interested about the somatic experience of movement? Because I see that you were a founding member of the Alexander Alliance back in 82. Was it 82? Yes. The, day, the, the year that I was born. So that's, <laughs> that's a, a huge commitment. How, how did that happen? Yeah. How did you become like so passionately immersed into Alexander and like this awareness of movement and like created like a, a school about that? Well, I was um, one of these kids that I think now would be called an ADHD kid. You know, I was very hyperactive and I had stuttering problems. I had speech problems because my mind was moving so quickly and my mouth couldn't move quickly enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I was, I had problems with, controlling my energy uh, when I was, from the time I was very little, but at the same time, I was very highly coordinated. I was a really good athlete, just inherited some very good genes from my dad. So I loved movement, but there was, I felt there was something, I couldn't control all my physical energy. And then when I was about 12 or 13, I had to do a project in my religious school and I had to, it was a comparative religion course. So I chose to study Buddhism. And the reason I did that was because I, when I would see these images of the Buddha sitting, I thought, well, one, he has a great body, right? First thing I thought of, I said, you know, he has this beautiful, physicality about him right and then I thought but he's calm and I'm not you, you know so I said how does he do that you know like how is there any relationship between the guy's body and his mind you know um so that took me into this well what is the relationship between physical life and physical enjoyment and spiritual pleasure, like physical pleasure and spiritual pleasure. Uh, and that became, or, you know, physical happiness and spiritual happiness. Like what is the connection? And that has, that question has fed me and directed me for 60 years, you know, Forever. 73. So it's just, and I've never tired of the subject. Yeah. Wow. So since you were 12 years, you had like 
this glimpse of there must be something more like how come the buddha is so fit and good looking but so calm <laughs> that's right he's he's like a super daddy super fit yeah and, and i never saw yeah, yeah i never saw an image of a spiritual teacher that was so physical you know yeah. physically refined you know it's almost like the opposite image of the crucified christ yeah definitely definitely they're there's... about they're about this they're actually about very much the same subject it's just that one is a depiction of life as suffering yes and buddha's buddha's image of, is the life of of how to end suffering or how to lessen suffering so they're actually they're just showing two sides of a coin that life is difficult for us and how do we make it more enjoyable you know how do we how do we bring ourselves into a kind of healthy balance yeah um, it's it's so really, yeah they're related they're related and what what you see when what one can see in the buddha is it's it's embodied dignity like embodied dignity perfect the, the uprightness mm -hmm. and the serenity in the posture and it's it seems like ah uh, yeah meditation posture is piece of cake but it's not that easy to be sitting in the floor with a hip flexion of 90 degrees and like that is that is posture and you really need to have a psoas working on there like like a core structure and a self-organization that allows to to be relaxed and grounded while sustaining you in in that position yes yeah it takes training yeah it takes training for an adult it takes training yeah yeah, yeah for, for a kid it doesn't take training like so we all used to to play in the sandbox in, yes. in a position as if not yeah. so so it seems that that something happens along along not necessarily development but perhaps um education and living in this culture that we lose this um, upright embodied dignity in the posture that we had when we were kids sitting in in the sandbox like mm -hmm. and and what can you recall in regards to that because you say that you were very physical but very hyper active so Mm, can you recall a time where where you could actually be embodied but like quiet and calm and involved in the experience or or yeah, well you know it's very interesting Cre creative <laughs> creative volcano exploding <laughs> yeah it's interesting because uh, my my mom told me a story of our getting ready to go on a vacation trip and drive down to Florida. And I was a little baby and she, you know, it's busy getting ready to go on a vacation. So they're running around the house, getting everything organized, packing the car. And they put me on outside in, on the porch. And I apparently was this kid that was happy, calm, very calm. And you didn't have to, 
entertain me at all. It's just put me down anywhere and I was fine. So she puts me down on the porch and they they get everything ready and they they drive away and they forgot me. Right? They forgot so you. about 10 minutes. Yeah, about 10 minutes later, my sister says, where's Bruce? <laughs> and they said, they go back and I'm sitting on the porch totally fine. Like a Buddha. You know, like a Buddha. <laughs> and, and so apparently I was like that when I was little. And actually, I can remember being very calm before I started school. Before and it was really school. being in school that something about having to sit at a desk and and because I was so happy when I was outside, which is one of the reasons I love living where I live because I'm outside a, a great deal of the time. Spacious. So anyway, I was just that kind of kid that needed room to move and just needed space and time. As if somehow space was a, a proper contain, container for calm. Mm -hmm. Somehow they're connected for me. Nice. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, there's a connection to Buddha and, and pleasure because, yeah. you know, Buddha started out as a, a prince. Yeah. And he likely had a very opulent and uh, sense, sense, sensory. He had a very wealthy life. He was wealthy, right? Yeah. So you probably have all the things that wealth gives you, can give you, all the pleasures that everything that you could buy and want that way. But he was dissatisfied. He was so, dissatisfied. And when he it went out, not, when, it was not well, enough. Somehow it wasn't making him happy. And, and, and so when he went outside of the walls, he, he was disturbed because he saw, he saw a lot of poor people, he saw sick people, he saw old people, he saw dying people. And he, you know, he just, it just uh, made him wonder about life in general. So he leaves and he undergoes a very ascetic lifestyle for a while where he, He's under this idea that if you punish the body, uh, that you can free the spirit. And this was the, the kind of idea at the time. And at some point he felt like, no, this is just not working. Not working. And not working. And, that, and then at some point he just sits down under a tree and he realizes that being excessive in any direction mm -hmm. is kind of off base, yes. you know, like having like indulging in pleasure is get you off balance and 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 depriving yourself of pleasure gets you off balance. Yes. Right. And then he, he figures out this way, this moderation, and he just goes down to this village and he sees a woman and, and he says, I need, I'm hungry, you know, and, and she gives him milk and honey. Milk and honey. How yeah. sweet. Yeah. So that's the beginning of a different approach. Yes. And and I think it's an approach where, where that starts to respect the body. Respect the body. 
Yeah, and that's why when you talk about this physical refinement and dignity, this connection between the two, and yeah. then you know, then pleasure is connected. Pleasure is connected. Pleasure comes into that. It's a certain kind of pleasure uh, that that, and that takes us into your subject of sensuality. Yeah, sensuality. So, so, and that's that's gets us talking about what we were talking about before. Yeah. So what is the difference between sensitivity, sensuality, and sexuality? Yeah. Okay. So sensitivity, I sometimes call sensory receptivity. Sensory receptivity. Yeah. The ability to receive the world and yourself uh, through your senses right because we have senses that allow us to receive the world information from the world but then we also have senses that allow us to receive information about ourselves in particularly kinesthesia and proprioception yes that, that and and touch to some degree because we we're where we can touch our own bodies but also the world is touching our body so like when we sit on a chair yes we're being sit on a chair our body feels the chair but but also the chair well how can i say our body is touching the chair but the chair is touching our touching body us. uh-huh yeah so we touches us and we touch the body the the world yeah yeah, so we're being touched by the world all the time. We are. Actually. All the time. In a way, it's ground by it gives us by, a sense of self at the same time. Like, it gives us a sense of self. Like yeah. now that I am feeling like my my sweatshirt, like it, the the dimension of my arm becomes clearer. And now that I pay attention on the chair, like my my ground also like the experience of myself becomes more detailed by tuning on how am I being touched by the world. Yeah, so they're, they're interrelated. So all these senses that tell us about the world and tell us about ourselves can work in consort. They can work simultaneously. And in most people, they don't. And most people, most people are so busy doing things in the world, which is necessary, but they do it. They use their senses that are designed for them, you know, help them see and hear and manipulate the world. And then they don't take in information about themselves. And that's how people can, that, uh, that keeps a person from receiving pleasure because because you're in a doing mode and your attention is on the world rather than doing things in the world, rather than receiving things from the world. So it tends to reduce pleasure. We become a little robotic, you know, a little mechanical. Yeah, robotic. And, yeah, so we're, we're sensory motoric. So we... So I do a lot of teaching where I make people 
what they're doing as they do it. So when I pick up a glass, right, if I'm only thinking about drinking the water, I may not, I may miss the entire experience, the entire sensory experience of moving my arm, of feeling the temperature and the texture of the glass, of feeling my body incorporating the weight of the glass, of bringing it to my mouth, of feeling it on my lips, of feeling the fluid in my mouth, of swallowing, you know, and there's very, there is pleasure in doing that. Potential pleasure, if you know how to receive the pleasure, you know, uh, yes. but you know, if we're just doing things to get done and I'm talking to you and I'm, and I don't know what I'm doing, I don't, there's no chance of taking in the pleasure. Yes, as if this robot, this robotic way of busyness is only a partial way of being in the world. And because we are not in, involved in the world fully, we, we are not like, um, yeah. You, we are not fully engaged in the experience of being. And it, and that, uh, like, we, I feel that we sacrifice our perceptivity, sensitivity for the sake of productivity. Like, we do things very fast because we, we think that we're gonna do and achieve more, but we, this way of doing, is not optimal like it doesn't have like the precision of being sensitively involved like if you say like actually it takes more awareness more attention and more involvement to sense the weight of the of the cup and sense the liquid sliding from my throat it's it's as if <clears throat> we are uh culturally educated to be in the world um, without the experience of the body somehow, which is weird because like we are a body. Mm. Yeah, somehow it's not valued as much as other things. And that's a whole big subject in itself. But um, let me go on with the difference. So. So we have sensory life and, and we bring in lots of information and some of it may be pleasurable for us and some not. So it's not necessarily connected to pleasure. It's just, we want the ability to receive. We wanna be sensitive to our, and what's going on, to what we're doing, to how we're feeling. You know, we want the information. So, so then, so then, um, but without the information, pleasure is not really possible. If we're not, if we're not experiencing what we're sensing, then it's not possible to, if we're not feeling it, we're not experiencing it, then the pleasure is not possible. It's mechanical. It's unconscious. It's unconscious. And so pleasure is conscious. You know, when we're sensing pleasure, it's, it's con we're conscious. Pleasure is conscious and it happens only in the present. Like I cannot enjoy the sensation of 
of my coffee. <laughs> yeah. If I already like, I can remember. I try to remember how it felt, but it's not the same as I am drinking coffee now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if you're having a pleas a pleasant memory, you're having it in the in the present. Yes. Yeah. So it's still the pleasure is happening in the moment. Yeah. So so sensuality, I see as um, as something different than sexuality. Yes. Um, I I feel that they can both have an element of eros, actually, but one yes. is sexual and one is not. Yes. So, like, as I get older, my life becomes increasingly sensual. And, and, what, and what I mean by that is that it's almost as if my sexuality is delocalized, almost the way it is for a child when they're pre-sexual. Yes. So it's like everything... It's like, you know, a baby wants to put everything in their mouth. Yes. They want, they want to touch everything. Yes. They, they want to move everything. They, that's how they know something, right? They want to know everything. Yes. And, and so, what, so what happens to me now is it's almost like I'm moving back into that. So my experience of nature, because I live very much in nature, it's almost like nature has become my lover. You know, I um, just living in where I live is such a sensual, physical, pleasurable experience. You know, the the sun on my the the warmth of the sun on my body, or seeing the snowfall, or feeling the wind you know, or petting the dogs or the horses or the, you know, the whole thing is, is so sensual. Yes. I am in this kind of sensual consciousness almost all day long. Almost and all day long. Yeah, almost all day long. It, it, it's because it, it's, it's so big here. It's so enveloping. You know, I'm almost always seeing something that I find beautiful or feeling something with my body or seeing certain colors or hearing birds or hearing water or, you know, I am, I am living such a rich, sensual life, um, but it's, yeah, so you know, I sometimes I describe it as having a positive edible complex. It's like I have I've married the mother, you know, yes. the great mother. We call her the great mother, right? Yes, yes. So it's like that's who I live with. You know, I actually it's almost like I live inside of her. I, I live in her body, you know, and it's extremely wonderful. Yes, physically, physically wonderful. So, so, um, sense. So that's more what sensuality. Sensuality is. It's um, it's a delocalized eros, 
delocalized heroes. Yeah, uh, but it really it's it has true affection. Affection. It is, what it is. There's affection. It's not just pleasure. It's a sense of affection. Yeah, it touches you emotionally. Yeah. yeah, it does. And so it's a little bit, if you were to equate it to a form of love, because it is a form of love. Yes, it is. It, it, um, it would be equivalent to agape. So agape. it would be like love of everyone. Yes. See, it's, a, it's, a, it's not directed toward one person. It's a really big kind of love. Yeah. Yes. But very physical. Very physical. Yeah. Very physical. Yeah. So it's embodied. Yeah, it's it's embodied. It's through the senses. So, I call it sensory consciousness. It's both. It's yeah. it's sensory. See what we've done in our culture is we've said we've said consciousness is mental and senses are physical. And so we've separated consciousness and physicality, but actually it's impossible to do. It's impossible. It's yeah. yeah. It's everything together. It's the same enchilada. It's the same enchilada. I'm going to quote that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so then, so then, um, so sexuality is, is more, um, I describe that well you know I don't, I don't really have I haven't thought about it as much honestly but I think it we know it viscerally that when something becomes sexual we just feel it yeah. you know it it taps a different kind of energy there's a arousal there's that arousal. arousal and it has a certain it's identified identifiable as sexual yeah and yeah it, and it, sensuality it doesn't it, it doesn't trigger that it, it doesn't trigger that it's something else yeah it's it's something else like it's it's a different set of hormones and brain chemistry yes, it's chemical and and heart rate and and also there's like a clear genital involvement that is not included in sensuality and sadly in our culture there's a lot of sex without sensuality and even lots of sex without pleasure especially for for women in like in all history and like mm, still in yes. the most modern world so i believe it's it's very important to to integrate, they can, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, to integrate. And I believe that this pleasureless sexuality have, has to do with this um, alienation idea from body and mind and senses from consciousness. While in reality, like in biological, physiological reality, there's no separation like awareness is and it's mediated by by the by our anatomy but like um thinking they are separated um affects the way that we approach sexuality and sensuality and i think it's yeah 
very, very important to, to bring sensuality and sensitivity, perhaps, I don't know the order, actually it's the same thing, but um, maybe the, the, the practice is not to wall off experiences, but leave them uh, fully through, through perception. But at the same time, like you have this couple that finally go to have their holidays in the Bahamas and they feel that they are gonna have sex like gods and they find each other there, get bored. They don't know what to do with each other nor with themselves, but because they are not habituated to paying attention to their sensations. Like all they know is to work in front of a desk like a robot so like how how and i i don't say that there is no pleasure to working in front of a computer like a robot but that's another kind of pleasure it's like when you imagine something pleasurable or even you have an, a philosophical aha moment or you learn a new skill with a computer you have a new app and it's like oh wow you you get pleasure and your brain chemistry changes but it's not this felt sensed pleasure that don't requires language that it's beyond language and beyond description that is just um fleshly um, perceived and lived directly so i am curious on on how those, uh, how the work that you do with Alexander and all your wisdom uh, can help people to not become wild off from, from the experience. Like for example, now I got super excited and I realized that my neck is super tense and I am not doing my natural movements and reflexes. So yeah. What would you say about that? I'm not quite sure of the question. Can you ask me the question again? <laughs> the question directly. Mm, yeah, like, I feel that by habit, we can wall off our physical experience of, of the moment as a whole. And specifically, we can wall off the experience of felt sense pleasure. Mm -hmm. And do you know? Yes. Well, I think that's what my all my work is about. So the the my online course that I started actually, you know, at the beginning of COVID, Race of Sense. Grace of Sense. Graced by senses. Um, that's the solution, you know. It's it's it it just requires some training. It requires some practice to 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 reclaim uh, one sensory life and not to and to learn not to sacrifice it just because we have things we have to do. Yes. So it's just learning how to keep the senses turned on as we go about our day. And that takes training. Yes. That's all. 
It's just education. It's just education. That is a great news. <laughs> that's good news. That that's good news. Like yes. you, you learn it and you practice yeah. it, and and, then, and what's even you... better news is it's fun to learn. It's fun to learn. It's pleasurable. It's pleasurable. It's so, pleasurable. So yeah. perhaps that could be our next recording about okay. experiencing. Yeah, maybe I could show a couple things. Yeah. Fantastic. So right. to be continued. To be continued. <laughs>